amateur hour podcast. <laughs> I, like, I like this. This is the cut down to the background noise. This is the yeah. It, no wind. The dead cat stops the wind. <laughs> That's awesome. Or it's kind of a triple. Also, it's about it's about triple size. Or it's a toupee. I'm Matthew Martinson. I'm Gordon McGlattery. And this is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Uh, so I went to the uh, PAX East in Boston um, with Clay, which mm-hmm. was cool. I ran, uh, you know, part of the booth, so talked to people the whole time. Yeah. Um, and while I was there, uh, we were part of the Indie Mega booth, so I managed to talk to a bunch of the other developers about their audio stuff. Right. Uh, I talked to 13 different people. I asked them who they were, what their game was, who did their audio, and when they got their audio involved. Right. Just to kind of do a little survey. Cool. So here's those interviews now. I am Jason Cirillo. And who do you work for? What games do you I work at Gaijin Games. Uh, I'm the lead designer of the Robotube label of games, which are smaller games that we develop, kind of our laboratory skunk works division of the company. For the Robotube games, right now I'm actually doing the audio. All right. So yes. when did you get involved in doing the audio for the games you're designing? I would say right when I started designing the games. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good first one for you. Um, okay, since you're doing all of it, yeah, um, would you call yourself a sound designer? No, not definitely not a professional sound designer. I am using some really really good tools that make it easy for a guy like me who is not professionally trained. Okay, I'm using a, a bunch of different little tools. I'm using some iPad, uh, iOS apps. Uh, Figure is one of them I'm using. I really like it a lot. Yeah, I'm using uh, the Moog or Moog um, synthesizer. Uh, for Destructamoon in particular, that's on the, I- the iPad app that they have. Uh, I'm using an 8-bit sound generator that I think is pretty widely used. It's like a web, it's a web app you can download it to. I can't remember the name of it offhand. So I use that for like all the sound effects right now because we're doing kind of retro-y style games. They won't work forever, but yep. uh, so I'm using that. Um, and I'm using uh, uh, GarageBand, and uh, I think that's about it. Cool. All right, thank you. Hi there, I'm Guillaume Boucher-Vidal. I am the founder of Nine Dot Studio. Yeah, I'm working on God Factory Wingman. It's a competitive space combat simulator in which you build your ship part by part. Who's doing your sound? Uh, it's a small outsourced studio called Silverjack Studio. Uh, they're based nearby us, like we are in Quebec City, and they're, by, they're based nearby, so we want okay. to approximate. When did you get them involved in your design process? Way too late. <laughs> what happened is like we had no funds. We've yep. worked like for the whole two years on that project with no salary, and recently we got funding, so we could finally afford to get someone on board with the audio. So we had like them starting doing work on the, the audio like a few weeks ago, and like the game's going to be released before the end of June. So technically, that's not enough time. So would you say effects. beta? Yeah, all like, right. Technically, we don't deserve to be called a beta because we don't have all the sound effects, right? <laughs> but but the rest of the game one. was pretty much in a beta. Yep. Did like... Yes, it was. Okay. But cool. I wish I could have them like straight from the start because I know it like contributes so much to the yeah. whole spirit of a game. So the real reason that you got involved so late was funding. Yeah, because we, they would have definitely been there straight from the start. If I yeah. Okay. Yep. Wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. My name is Eric Asmussen, and I'm with 82 Apps. The game is Robot Roller Derby Disco Dodgeball, but you just call it Disco Dodgeball. I did the audio I use kind of online free sound effects tools and then mashed up some Logic sound effects together. But I do have a soundtrack that I licensed from other artists that I found online, stuff that I liked, and then uh, paid them to bring the music into the game. Since you did it, when did you start thinking about doing audio? From the beginning, so the game takes place in a dance club, so for me, like, the soundtrack and the sound effects and all that together was very important. I'm Jason Wishnov, lead developer at Iridium Studios. The game's called There Came an Echo. It is a voice-controlled strategy game starring Will Wheaton and Ashley Birch. Well, when you say audio in a voice-controlled game, there's a ton of different components. Obviously, there's audio design. Uh, we have a guy named Ricky Watson working on that. We have our scores being composed by two different people, Ronald Jenkins and Jimmy Hinson, a.k.a. Big Giant Circles. They're getting fantastic stuff. And then, of course, there's the voice recognition technology, which was worked on by me. I brought Ricky on about six months ago. We kind of split up work. At first, I needed about two weeks of very quick work. We were putting together a vertical slice to show to potential investors. So he worked super hard those two weeks. Then we spent about two months 
refining the game to a much more playable state. Then we brought Ricky on more full time to really go ahead. We gave him, we started giving him cutscenes. We let him go ahead and design those out. We told him the specific sound effects we needed, all the different gunshots and reloads and footsteps and you know various sound effects during gameplay. So he's been working with us pretty consistently since about four months ago. I knew he was good, but I wasn't sure he'd necessarily fit. So we kind of used that a little bit as a testing period. But after that, I was like, all right, bro, let's let's do this. Alpha. Yeah, it's, yeah. Let's say pre-alpha. Yeah, brought him back in to do a little more, to do more work. Okay. Yeah, Wonderful. yeah, Thank awesome. You very much. No problem. I'm Fingerspeed, Pablo Ruiz. I'm the audio guy for the construct team. The game is Ghost Will Be Watching. It's a point-and-click thriller about moral dilemmas and hard decisions. It's a it's a game in which you have like several puzzles in which there are several elements that you have to interact to. Yep. And the thing is, there's no just one simple solution. As there are like many, and you have to uh, do have to, uh, to find one that suits you. Okay. So when did you get involved in the project? Since start, since I am a full-time member of the team. Great. So you're you're, you're not a contractor. You are. Full-time. Yeah, I'm not external. I'm full-time in the team. Awesome. That's great to hear. All right. Yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, Johan Inke Guljonsson. Uh, this is Aura's Awakening. It's uh, by Illuminox Games. It's um, a 2D action platformer, which has, uh, has like a teleportation mechanic where you can teleport. Who is doing the audio for your game? His name is uh, Friðfinnur Ochkulus. He's an up-and-coming uh, musician in Iceland. So uh, are you contracting him or does he work full-time for your company? Um, I should probably ask him if he's actually... Friðfinnur, er hann kontrata við okkur eða er hann svona outsourcaði? He's freelancing, so... Oh, okay. But, yeah, he's, he's one of the team, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so he's a freelancer. When did he get it, like brought in to be involved in the project? So uh, he's actually the friend of the art director, right? And the uh, art director really knew how good he was, and he's yeah. used him before. And uh, the art director really wanted like um, the music and the sound effects to be like coordinated with the art of the game. Yeah. So he knew like he could get this guy in and like make it work together. So. So was he involved in pre-production? I don't think so. No, no. He's so got more in like there. an alpha state. That yeah, he got yeah, brought in? yeah. My name is Fibre Tigre, I'm French, so it's a weird name, I know. <laughs> the game is out there, it's a game on iPhone, Android, and it's soon gonna be on PC. Who did the audio for your game? A uh, very famous guy called Siddhartha Barnum. He's famous because um, uh, he, he did the music for Antin Chamber oh, okay. and the Stanley Parable. Very early in the production of the yeah. game, we made a trailer, and Siddhartha Barnum came to us and said, I love the trailer. I want to make the game, the audio of the game. Cool. Yeah, it was really a good thing for us because it was a big name in the video game industry. Yeah. So each time we talk about the game, we said, "Oh, it's, the music has been done by the guy that did Antichamber and then the Stanley Parable because we, uh, the Stanley Parable he did that last summer." Yeah. So uh, it was really, uh, you know, a way to make our game famous. Yeah, that's great. He, but uh, it captures, it captured the mood of the game very early. Very right, is an experienced uh, and talented musician, yeah. so we were uh, really uh, glad to work with him. So I'm uh, Paul Harris, I'm a producer on Stronghold Crusader 2. I work for Firefly Studios, who are developing it and publishing on Steam. So our uh, sound guy is a guy called Rob Uvino. He's uh, done the sound for our games ever since the original Stronghold, which came out in 2001. He's a really, really talented guy, and he's actually got his own uh, fan page on Facebook because fans of the original games love his music and his sound effects so much. That's awesome. So he really captures, because Stronghold Crusader 2 is a medieval castle yeah. RTS, so it's really important we get authentic sounds yeah. and authentic music. So he's, you know, he's really good at capturing that time period. And also, Crusader is actually set in the desert. So we've got a lot of, med- um, of Arabic style music, cool. and he makes it with his, he's got this amazing range of talented friends yeah. that like play all exotic instruments like the oud. So oud is very popular. <laughs> and so he makes loads of amazing, really flavorsome music for the game, yep. which is fantastic. So awesome. you can kind of hear it in the trailer behind us. So, um, you know, it really captures that, that time period and, and, and the, the, the Middle East. Cool. So he is a contractor, but yep. he essentially, you know, we use him pretty much you know, all the time anyhow. So. Cool. Uh, when did you bring him in on, um, obviously he did the first game, yeah. when did you bring him on in the development of the second game? 
So we kind of got all the, the, the building blocks and the, the, the game up and running. So to a point where he would then be able to actually, yep. you know, see the game running, see how it plays out. And then so about halfway through, he started working on the sound effects and the music. Okay. So, so like mid-alpha? Uh, yeah, well, no, pre-alpha. Yeah, so, okay. Um, so, but it's yeah. always weird how you did define those moments yeah because yeah, we try and get like the post free pro <laughs> yeah, but during exactly. development exactly okay because with, with a stronghold game it's important we get the, the like everything needs to be made together because yeah. we need to simulate the whole the medieval economy plus the whole fighting so so when that gets to that stage where you know we can actually simulate a game that's yeah. when we can bring the sound guy yeah you know, okay. sound guy on and uh, and then he can look at it and obviously great sound at that point so cool. Uh, my name is Dan Ogles. I'm the CTO of Proletariat. And what's the game? Well, we're working on a game called World Zombination. It's a massive multiplayer strategy game uh, for tablets, iPhones, and PC where you are trying to uh, uh, fight, uh, either choose either to be zombies or humans and fight to take over the world. Sound designer is uh, Jeff Scott. Uh, is a, a friend of ours from, uh, from one of the uh, founders from way back. and. Uh, uh, he's a local musician here as well, and uh, so he did the music for us and, and uh, most of the sound effects and uh, brought in voice actors for uh, a lot of the, the units. He saw a very early build, pre-pre-alpha, yep. uh, about eight months ago, I think. We've been working on the game for about a year yep. uh, at this point. So uh, uh, so he was he saw one of the very early prototypes, uh, and we talked through with him sort of what we were looking for, what we need. He gave yep. us you know feedback in terms of, you know, we had never done work with voice actors before, and he had, so uh, kind of understand like what the uh, situation was with that and how yep. that would work. and. Uh, uh, yeah, and then we've brought him in, you know, he, he doesn't work for us full time, but we bring him in uh, time to time to sort of like fill out as we bring up new features and that sort of thing. So he's a freelancer? He has his own home studio where yeah. he's doing all the recording and everything, um, but uh, so he's only come in like three or four times, okay. so a lot of it helps that we know him and yes. we've worked with him before. Uh, so uh, if it was somebody we didn't know, uh, we'd probably have him in more often just to like make sure that we were in sync with the vision of the game and that sort of thing, but um, I'd worked with him on, on several games before, so uh, I knew when, you know, he, he knew what we were going for, so. Uh, my name's Alex Schwartz and I run Alchemy Labs. So we're making Discourse, the uh, choice-based survival narrative game. We had two guys, we had uh, Jay Margasa, who did the music only, yep. uh, who we're working with for the first time uh, with Discourse. Uh, and we work with Dan Perry, who is doing the sound effects. He, um, I met at a game jam four years ago, and he has worked on every bit of sound that's ever been in any of our games. So that's four games and five game jam games. He's done every bit of audio that's been in anything Alchemy's ever done. And it was all because I worked with him at game jam and he kicked major ass. So go to game jams and kick major ass. Yeah. Music was in much earlier uh, as we needed to, the first time we had moving characters on the screen and the environment really painted and locked in from a visual standpoint, yeah. we had uh, Jay score over a video of the character walking around in this new environment. Uh, it's still pre-pro, cool. and we're That's still awesome. figuring things out. Yeah. yeah. So, music in really early on. Definitely, yeah, and he came up with a kind of like islandy, um, it's a kind of like a mix of Bonobo, or Bonobo, I don't know how to pronounce it, and like Cirque du Soleil-ish type music, um, with this kind of driving island beat. And that's all completely from, you know, him watching little animations and the way the characters move and the, the color schemes and all that. Sound effects, uh, later than it, way later than it should have. Um, <laughs> I would say we had no sound effects in the game one month ago, one month ago, and uh, we got a first pass of roughs in for packs uh, in the past, you know, three, four weeks and they'll probably all be redone by the time the game ships. But at least people put on their headphones, they get their sit-down 20-minute um, playthrough, and they, they're not like actively missing a terrible amount of audio, so it, it's not disconcerting, but it's, it's there enough. So uh, my name's Ari Usain. I'm a senior software developer, uh, main developer for the Bigfoot Hunter game that we're working on here. Um, so audio uh, is a guy named Richard Gould. Um, he's uh, apparently been doing audio for a bunch of uh, indie games around the Boston area. Um, cool. Uh, our uh, CEO, Dave, uh, met him through another uh, company in the Indie Game Collective around here. Um, you know, got a, got a good recommendation. We uh, listened to a bunch of his stuff, really liked what he was doing. Uh, you know, a lot of good feedback. Uh, and uh, 
really happy to be working with him. Cool. So he's doing music and sound effects? Yep. Um, so we're uh, sort of in like beta phase right now. We've okay. sort of got the main components of the game, uh, trying to work through the polish phase and sort of right. figure out how to make the game as fun as possible at this point. So when did you bring audio in to the production um, So I'd say probably when we were close to done with our alpha. Um, once we sort of knew what the game was going to be and uh, sort of had the levels figured out and the yeah. main components and that kind of stuff, we brought him in so that we could start working on it. Um, we know that audio, generally, you're going to need a couple rounds of iteration to uh, get the audio done, so we figured we didn't want to wait till the last minute because then, you know, you're sort of screwed. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, things are changing towards the end, so it's sort of a fine line. We figured that was around the right time where, okay, we've got the game sort of figured out. Now let's start getting some sound effects in the game and see how it really feels. I'm Trevor Stricker. We're talking about Jungle Rumble. Awesome. It's a rhythm game where you drum to control a tribe of monkeys. It is first and foremost audio-centric. My sound was done by Richard Gould of Hexany Audio. He's out of the Berkeley School of Music. He's an amazing audio guy. Jungle Rumble has a dynamic soundtrack where it actually swells in intensity in response to what the player is doing. So this isn't just music that somebody <laughs> composes. He actually has to author in multiple layers. It's all CD quality as well. So, you know, he's had to put together these crazy sounds. When did he get involved in the production of the game? Very early on. Yeah. Uh, Pre-pro? Pre yes. Um, I put in some programmer art music yeah. with sounds that I downloaded from the internet, just basically as proof of concept. Yeah. And I remember when, when we were first discussing collaborating, he was like, why would I want to work on this piece of shit? <laughs> and I'm like, that's why, to make it not a piece of shit. <laughs> My name is Chris Gilry, audio designer for Switchblade Monkeys. And what game are you doing? Secret Ponchos. All right, so you're the sound guy. Yeah. Yes, so, I am. Uh, you are full-time? Uh, I have another job. Okay, do you work directly for the company or are you a yeah. freelancer? Yes, no, I'm part of the company. You're part of the company? Yeah. Okay. Uh, when did you get involved in the project? Uh, right at the very beginning. I'm one of the founding members of the company, Yusuf okay. and I kind of came up with the original idea with the, with the existing group of friends. Cool, so you had audio involved at pre-pro from, from the get-go, yeah. We used the audio actually to kind of sell the idea to uh, even get us started, to get the, the money, like the in initial investment money. Cool. What was your main, like, takeaway, if you were to do a, an overview, what the general consensus was? It was quite varied. Um, yeah. It seems, I think, the general consensus was there was contract. It, they, everybody used contractors. Yeah. For the most part. But then there, there was... Two or three that were... Full-timers. Full-timers and even partners in the company as well. Yeah. Um, Secret Ponchos, he's, he's one of the founders of the company. So, yeah. so yeah. And it didn't seem to, to matter if it was 2D, 3D, like what kind of iPad game, PC game. It still was kind of like all over the board what everybody used. The one thing that I did find that was really interesting, the few people that fully stated we got audio involved late, yeah, they were all like... We shouldn't have done that. Yeah, totally. We got it late, and that was a mistake, which was great to hear. Yeah, it was, and because well, I mean, anytime you cut down on your iterative process, you're cutting. You do cut down on the quality of your game. Yeah, there was interesting. It was a total mix of people that did sounds and music. Some people had a sound effects guy and a music guy. I actually felt there was more full timers than I thought there would be. Yeah, even though there was only that. a handful, like I felt like I didn't expect any. There were that there were actually more sound designers than I expected. There yeah, was also, only there was really only one or two games that did not have sound designers or did not have like there there were developers that also claimed to be sound designers, but it was really only Jason from Gaijin that was primarily I'm he, doing the sound and I'm not a sound designer. Yeah. Um because it seems just if you were just talking to people in the indie dev community, you get a lot of devs that are doing sound. Yeah. But I think it's a little bit telling that the games that are in the indie mega booth actually have pros on. Yeah, which is cool. That's good. Yeah. It's it's good to see that 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 the indie community is valuing sound and and putting an emphasis on getting people the right people to do the job. I thought it was really interesting what Trevor had to say for uh, Jungle Rumble. Yeah, about using dynamic music and how he was treating it. And I'm not saying this as like a bad thing. For Jungle Rumble, treating it as if it's a unique thing. Yeah. It, it is a unique thing kind of in the indie realm. I think that's a huge misconception with indie developers is that dynamic music is this new thing. Right. It's not that hard to implement. Yeah. Um, it's extremely useful. 
Yeah. And AAA has been doing it forever. Right. Yeah. yeah. So using your vertical slices and your horizontal slices. Totally off topic. Uh, vertical slices bug the heck out of me. Yeah. Because in every other area of, of the game, a vertical slice makes sense. Yes. Within audio, you're not – most of the time, you're not doing a vertical slice. You have to do the whole game. When people talk about like, oh, we're going to do a vertical slice because that's quick and that's easy and we can do like – you just do the art for that part and you just do the design of that level – well, audio has to do like, well, if there's, you know, a dude walking around, you got to do footsteps. Here's footsteps for the whole game. Yeah. You got to do way more audio than is just that vertical slice. You're basically doing, you know, 80% of the game. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to do some new environments and stuff. But like, you got to kind of architect and do this way bigger part than any of the other areas. Yeah, putting together vertical slice is huge. I'm yeah. working on one of those with Oakless. Yeah. What I, I I was referring to dynamic music. Totally. Vertical totally. Yeah, slices. that's what I said. That's total aside ah. in general. I mean like vertical, like cutting your bars. Mm. So vertical, like when you are sectioning oh, how you're up a song. orchestrating yeah. your, your interactivity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I was totally off topic there. <laughs> As I tend to get. <laughs> yeah. So oh, I guess I could explain that further for sure. people that don't know since like I think a lot of indie devs don't know how it works. Is that when you're doing dynamic music, you want to take a song. There, there are kind of two ways to add uh, build and dynamics to music. And you will compose a song that, of course, is separated in, into bars. And when you cut it vertically, bar by bar, that's how you would sort of change the part of the song. If you wanted to change the tempo or change the key – you would be rearranging these vertical, vertically sliced chunks of music. Right. Whereas so if, you, if think, you just want to vary the intensity, then you're actually adding horizontal layers. I forget that, like, you know, most people don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. So vertical would be, like, you can loop your, your verse, and you have your verse repeating until a certain point when you're like, hey, something cool happened, mm-hmm. now we'll go into the chorus. Yes. And then we'll loop the chorus while the action is going on. Yeah. And then we'll like, okay, you've, you've transitioned to a new level, so we'll we'll transition to the bridge and loop the bridge. And you you take those sections and loop back and forth between them. Mm-hmm. And the, the horizontal is adding and taking away instruments or parts of instruments. So it's always like, you've got the drums, the drums are in all the time, and then you're like, Something cool happened, I'll add in the bass. Mm-hmm. And now something cooler happened, I'll add in the guitar part. Mm-hmm. And that cool thing stopped, so I'll take the guitar part away. A lot can be done with that as well. Oh, because you can totally. change the entire mood. Yeah. Even though even though it's staying in the same tempo, staying in the same key. If you change if you change yeah, the bass like, line. Or just take out the bass. Yeah. You know, if you've got like a kind of like standard rock song yeah. as your music, just as the normal instrumentation, like yeah. you know, drums, bass, guitar, keyboards. If you take out the bass, there's this now giant hole in the the frequency spectrum yep. that like totally changes the feel of it. Yeah. And then you bring the bass back in and it's like, oh yeah, something big happened at that point. Yeah. It's the the dropout method. Yeah. Totally. The clash. Um and it's so easy to do, I think. Yeah. Um easy to do with Fmod. Yeah. I believe it's easy to do with Fabric. Definitely easy to do with Wise. Yeah. I've done a lot of it in, in FMOD Designer. Yeah. That's how we did a bunch of our, our music. Yeah. I'm prototyping some stuff in Oklos with FMOD Studio right now. Yep. So you're using, um, you've got a project that you're actually using Fabric on. Not using yet. I, I want to, for Oklos, we're prototype. I'm just prototyping a dynamic music system. Okay. And you're using Fabric to do that? I'm with? prototyping an FMOD first, and yep. I have Fabric in my hands, but I haven't booted it up yet. And unfortunately, because we're using a really old build of Unity, um, the version of Fabric that I got from Taz is not, like, supported anymore, oh. really. So he he's like, I'll give it to you, but no promises. <laughs> um, because I think we're using 3.15. Right. And he's only supporting 4.1 okay. and up right now. Is there an old version of Fabric? That- there is, but it there a lot of the features aren't in it. Um, he has he has a version of Fabric for that. Yeah. Um, but he's like, if you need help, sorry, like I have oh, enough. Okay. I have enough you on can, my hands. You can you can use the old one, but I'm 
You can I, use I it. He gave it to me. Right. Yeah. He gave you the old one, but he's like, I can't support the old one. Yeah. He's he, he's full. like, it's probably Which gonna is, be buggy. That's totally. He's one guy. Yeah. And he's I, awesome. I, I love it. I love his business system right now. <laughs> he just he's like, if you just email me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I met him um, at GDC. It was awesome. He's a great guy, and mm-hmm. I, I think he does have a really good product. And that I think that's totally fair to be like, here's an oh, old absolutely. version. I'm not like no support for the old version. Yeah. I mean, it's great that a lot of companies are just like, no, we're not, we, you can only get the latest thing. Mm-hmm. So it's cool that he's like, you go for it. Like, go for it. If you have problems, it's your problem now. Yeah. Yeah. But it, at least he gave it to me. Yeah. So that's cool. That's great. Um, it's, it's nice. It's nice to deal with sort of one man shows a lot of times. It is. It's like you get to talk to that person. Yeah. Yeah. And be like, hey, this is what's going on. And they're generally, sure, I'll help you out. I've, um, I've, you know, gone to started going down the modular synth path. Right. And I bought some kits from one company and they're like, I am horrible at soldering. So yeah. it's just like, okay, this is my test. Like, see if I can put this together. Soldered it together. looks horrible. Doesn't work yet. And I can look no, at right. it and I'm like, <laughs> okay, I think half of those aren't actually soldered together. Right. And it's a, it's like a very small operation from Portland. And he's gotten back to me on Twitter and been like, I'll totally help you out however I can. Like, you know, and it's it's awesome to have that support there when I'm yeah. like, I probably screwed this up, but he's willing to be like, I'll help you however I can. Like Yeah, Kima has a really good reputation for yeah. that as well. You call them and you actually just talk you talk to the people that made it. That's cool. Yeah. Well, right. let's move on to uh we got an audio tip, which is more of a question. I have a question for Matt. A question, and then yeah. I have a sound design tip. Sweet. Right. So let's start with the question. So my question, I think, is kind of it's kind of a big one. I am working on a game right now uh, that's we're delivering next week, I think. Um, and <laughs> no, no pressure, <laughs> no pressure. All the assets are finished for the most yes. part. We ju- we're just we're into the fine tuning stages, and we need to cut down on our data usage. Right. So I have to go home tonight. Every, we've already converted everything to AUG, yeah. which is way smaller than Wave, obviously, like yes. 20 times smaller. But we're st- we still have using too much data. Yeah. So I know a few of the options, but I'll let you go through what your suggestions are. So my, my experience with, with data compression um, and content compression um, really goes back to when I worked on PSP projects mm-hmm. at Electronic Arts. I'm lucky that now... Everything I'm doing is basically PC and console yeah. and modern console, so I haven't had to worry about Don't Starve. I just kept throwing in assets, and I think once they're like, hey, can you turn down the compression a little bit? And I'm like, okay. But I've never had to take anything out. Nobody's ever been like, you're over your RAM budget. Yeah. Um. But back working in the PSP era, doing games for that. Happened all the time. Yeah. Well, I was taking um, console, like three Xbox 360 and PS3 games, and making them fit in the PSP. Yeah, right. Which the PSP had 32 megs of RAM. Technically, you could only access 28 because the OS took up four. And then that was 28 shared for the whole game. So we were lucky. The game, the first game I did that like shipped like launch title, I had a meg and one stream. <laughs> and even the PS2 um, you would you could get like five streams, right? You'd get a you could get very small, like you'd get four megs of RAM and then five streams. So going down to one meg and one stream was like horrific, right? So what would um, your prioritization path be like? I cut a lot of content. Mm-hmm. I cut the loops as short as humanly possible. Right. Variation went out the window. That's where I found that really. You can get away with three. There's a lot of things that if you have three, four. Four is my new magic number. That's the lowest limit. Right. Four footsteps, and you can get by with that. You know, more is better, and but there's... that, but that's usually with middleware, right? Yes. So with your pitching, with some yes. filtration happening. Totally with with you pitch. They'd have to be pitching everything. Like yeah. Four footsteps on the, their own is not going to work. Yeah. But four with two to three semitones of pitching up and down either way mm-hmm. will get you where you need to be a lot of the time. Right on. Because we did some testing. We found that a lot of footsteps in the projects we were getting were just pitched variations of each other. Like when you really listen to them, you're like, this may have been made completely separately. Like this may be right. totally original content, but at the end of the day, it sounds like a pitched version of the other footstep. Yeah. 
So why bother having it? You can do the pitching. Do it in engine. In, in the engine. Yeah. So really seeing how far you can push your in-engine pitch shifting, like to limit how your variety. Right. That was a big thing. And back then on the PSP stuff, we did massive amounts of sample rate cutting. Yes. I would be putting stuff in at 11 kilohertz. Okay. Sample rate. You'd go through and meticulously sound by sound. What formats are you, would you be converting to? Well, on the to? PSP, it was VAG and A-Track. Okay. Um, so it's not MP3 or or AUG. But if you can go through sample by sample and see how low you can get the bit rate before it turns to mush, yeah, like that would be what I would do. Right. Um, that's what I did when I had to shrink down Don't Starve. And I didn't have to go like hardcore, you know, iOS size. Because um, that's where it's a really big issue with a lot of iOS games. That's what this game is. Right. Um, the big concern they have is there's a limit on what you can download over air. You can download anything over Wi-Fi. Right. But to download over air, there's a limit. And they've shown for most games there is a steep um, buy or drop off if they can't download it over air. And they don't want to be filling up the space on their iPad. Yeah. So they've seen that there's a direct correlation to size over air and downloadability mm-hmm. and purchases. So that's just another reason to use middleware. Yeah. So for when I did go down for Don't Starve, we used FMod Designer. Yeah. Um, I went through all the banks and started turning the compression rate. We MP3 everything. And I just tur- started turning the compression rate down, like turning the bit rate down until I could hear it. And then it does it all on its own. And I, so I, I think would like, that's, that's something with this game is we're not using middleware. Yeah. So I have to send, I have, I'm sending variations. It's not to the point where I'm sending like different game states that yeah. are in. So I would think you'd have assets, to, uh, unfortunately, you got to go through and start AUG compressing stuff at lower and lower rates and find out where yeah. you can hear it. Well, and what I, the first thing I'm actually going to do is go through and cut my tails shorter. Yeah. Um, because all my my reverb tails, I made sure they all go down all the way to zero, but I, I'll probably just dry everything up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that totally. The, the, the whole shortening of everything to be actually uh, like no extraneous tails, yeah. no extraneously long loops, like figure out how short a loop can actually get. Yeah. You know, you're There's like, only oh, I loops in the game. The music, yeah. I think, could probably be cut shorter, right? And yeah, start doing like seeing how far down the AUG can can go. Mm-hmm. Like I too, like I've got stuff like I set in FMOD the whole bank, um, like my my ambiences in Don't Starve. The loops are still pretty high. They're yeah, at a, that are they're at a high bit rate. Yeah, but the random elements I've crushed down a lot further because uh, you don't notice as much on them. The loops I notice. Well, and people have to be aware that. As you compress, you lose higher frequency content. Yeah. So like a loop I have in my mind right now is sort of this glowing loop for when you get an object and everything's yeah. all glowy, but it's all slow end content. Yeah. You can so probably, I'll, I'll probably be able to compress it a whole bunch. Yeah. And that's what I had to do back in the PSP days and sort of did with Don't Starve was you go sample by sample. Mm-hmm. And it's a tedious process. And thankfully through a lot of middleware, a lot of it's automated. Mm-hmm. Like in FMOD, you can audition with compression. So you tick that and you just start changing the compression slider and listening. Oh, great. So it's just like, yep, yep, yep. Oh, no, that's horrible. Okay, back it up a step. That's just part of the properties of that sample within F. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can go by bank or by sample. So you can set like this whole bank I'm going to set to this. But this one sample in that bank, that actually has to be higher. Right. So so like my ambience banks, I set really hard, hard. Yeah. And then go, okay, here's the ones like this loop. This needs to be higher. So that one goes up. Yeah, And like rain, I, I accidentally originally put in rain. I super crushed it. Oh, okay. And then we got on the forums. Somebody was like, uh, sounds rain weird. sounds really bad. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what they're, what are they talking about? They're, I said it right. And I was like, oh no, I didn't say it right. <laughs> I totally destroyed that. Yeah. Okay. I got to switch that one back. So yeah, there's totally, there's stuff that you can do and stuff that you can't. Uh, but you might be able to like use FMOD to audition like yes. where you need to go because if you if you have to do the actual compressing yourself, it, it might be worthwhile throwing everything into like a dummy project in FMOD. Use the like listen with compression right. just to check everything quickly mm-hmm. and then like copy those settings sort of and go, okay, these are the ones I need to compress at this rate. These are the ones I – like you might right. be able to – instead I of like – I was thinking of maybe throwing them into Amadeus, which is really fast to spit out a new file. Yeah. 
and then just keep spitting out new files till it sounds bad. And if, after it sounds bad, just command C. Yeah, F mod even undo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then F mod might even be quicker than that because okay. it does it like oh, and you can export files. Right you can't, but okay. you'd be you. I would have like F mod open and Amadeus open, and do your preview in F mod, find it, and then set it. In, set that that compression level. Yeah, that's in, a good idea. In Amadeus. I have um, a sound design tip that is a purchase. Right. So you should. I'll put it in my hands. I am holding The Sounds of Star Wars by J.W. Rinsler and forward by Ben Burt, of course. uh, This is this awesome book. Um, Unfortunately, the battery has died in it. Yes, it's a book with a battery. (laughs) Um, It has a sound module on the side. It looks like some kid's book that you'd be like, this is totally kitty. But it is all of the the sound from all of the movies with with all these interviews with Ben Burt going, how did he make up all the sounds? Mm-hmm. And then has individual examples in this little sound player. They're all numbered. There's dots with numbers, and then there's this screen on the side with buttons, and you can go to the number of the sound you want to hear. So I'm looking right, right now, I'm looking at the trash compactor. Right, which is number... 62. So if you go to 62, you can play the sound of the trash compactor, isolated by itself, like they pulled them out of the movie, so you're hearing just that. Yeah. And the really cool thing is it's got a headphone jack, so you actually can hear it. It's not like there's a crummy little speaker in it. I wonder what kind of compression they used to fit <laughs> it all into this. Ben was involved in all of the book, and he basically, um, I seem to remember from interviews saying, if it, if it doesn't have a headphone jack, I don't want to be involved. If like if it's not high enough quality, I don't want to be involved. Right. So it looks like a total kitty book, but it is a total sound design. It's totally book. awesome. And the amount of depth that he gets into on the stuff is really cool. And I mean, Star Wars is the granddaddy of sci-fi sound design for yeah. everything. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. For instance, Bert used motor sounds and dumpster door creaks along with a pile driver for the acce- acceleration and pounding moments as the trash masher closes in tighter and tighter on the group of heroes. Yeah. I felt like reading through it. I haven't read it in, in I don't know, a couple of years now. But it's so specific. It's so specific. It gives but you things. It gives you things like maybe you don't need a trash compactor, but you know you like that sound. Yeah. And then you might have some of those elements, but then you know what other elements to go get. I feel like it's it's specific enough that you can use it, as well as being vague enough that you're not going to like copy. come off as a ripoff artist. Yeah. yeah you're yeah. going to be like, oh, okay. I need if I go collect all those sounds that you just listed off of the trash compactor, I'm going to have something that sounds completely different, but has a bunch of that. It's going to get me in the ballpark really quick of like, yeah, okay. Exactly. I need some pile drivers. I need blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, I find it's it's really cool. Every sound designer should own that book. That's my tip. I'll borrow it from you. Hardcovers don't leave my house. <sighs> you can stay here and listen to it. <laughs> so I put out on Twitter and Facebook uh, asking if anybody had any questions that they wanted us to answer. Um, and I got a couple. Let's start with Stefano Alessandro. I think that's, I said that right. Um, he's audio dream underscore sound on Twitter. He asked, hi, I'm currently working on my first game. I would like to know where, what were your newbie mistakes on your first game? Mixing. Mixing. I think mixing is something you have to pay attention to all the time. Still something I'm getting a handle of. Yeah. Mixing is really complex. Yeah. My first big game was Rogue Legacy. Yeah. And we didn't get very much time to mix at all. Um, I wasn't even aware that we were using middleware until the last week. <laughs> they they were doing it all on their end. Right. And then we, I'm sure I've mentioned it before. Uh, we were using XNA, which comes with Exact, which is a great piece of middleware. Yeah. But I had just been kind of sending them files, and I hadn't been paying close enough attention to my peaks. I hadn't been doing enough mock-ups mm-hmm. of what it might sound like in-game. What I do now is I... I get the music, I duplicate it all the way under my entire sound effects session. Right. And then I mute it on and off. Right. So you can so, check how it fits. So I can check how it, yeah, check how it a, fits. And it just means, like, hopefully you can mix an engine. Yeah. Um, and hopefully this year with all the middleware going free, there's going to be a lot more of mixing mm-hmm. en- engine going. And with especially with Unity upgrading, their audio, their audio is amazing. Yeah. It's really, really good now. Uh, but you still want to get it close right off. Yeah. And that's one of the best ways to do it is drop your music down to minus six or minus eight, yeah. I think, and uh, and then audition all your sounds right over top of it. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. Um, I'll go with what my first freelance game was because my first games were with EA and I was the low man on the totem pole. So I had like good people telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really in the like make mistakes territory. My first freelance 
game was uh, a, a small um, fantasy MMO um, that is thankfully gone. <laughs> um, I made I that was the first time I was making fantasy sounds, so it was just generally like not that great because I didn't know what I was doing mm-hmm. in in regards to just plain old. And what that kind was of, what, total, kind of, what kind of things were you missing as far as your elements of fantasy? Oh, the magic was all kind of not that great. The creatures were just not that great. I wasn't really getting as creative as I needed to mm-hmm. or knew how to do. I just didn't right. have the skills to yet. Um, and then, then there was a bunch of sort of businessy mistakes I made with that where I hadn't really laid out how the approval process for sounds went. Yeah. And there was, they were approving things and I was making assumptions on how they were approving them. I thought assumptions I, are such a killer. Yeah, yeah. I assumed they were uh, testing them in game and approving them that way. Um, because it was a no middleware, no audio support, throw it over the wall. They're just putting it into the game. Yeah. Um, that was another snake I should have pushed harder to have, if not middleware, had them program some sort of audio engine. Cause it was a like, like we can't pitch anything. Right. It was like, play back the sound. We can kind of pan it that was it yeah so i was like okay i'm just giving you sounds because i'm I, there's nothing for me to implement yeah there's no there's no nothing so mm-hmm. um i would push harder to have that at that time there was no middleware or at least it wasn't affordable for an indie people right um so i'd push harder to have more support audio support mm-hmm. and more laid out what the approval process were because exactly. they approved a bunch of sounds not in game. I thought they were approving them in game. And then they came back way later. Yeah. When the project was pretty much done. Oh, we want you to do revisions on everything that you've already, we've already signed off on. Right. And became a bit of a like, it's a huge problem. Yeah. I I think there's, there's nothing that's going to cause you more stress than when one party assumes one thing and the other party assumes another thing. So it it turned into a bit of a like business fight over like what that meant. Because I was like, you approved it. Yeah. And they were like, but no. And we sort of came to an agreement, but it was a little tense and, you know. Yeah. I think it's something that all, and this is for devs and artists and sound designers, is talk about these things very in depth. Yeah. Before you, before anyone does a second of work. Yeah. I think. And have it all laid out in a contract. Laid out. Of like, this is what this means. Approving a sound means... X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It's, I think it's a big, like, don't be intimidated by contracts. And don't think people are going to be offended by you asking for a contract. Yeah. If somebody's offended by a contract, by the fact that you then want a contract. that's sketchy. Yeah. You should <laughs> probably not want to work with them. Yeah, exactly. Anybody above board should A contract is supposed to protect protect both parties. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I would say make sure your revisions are clearly stated and yeah. have a clear understanding of what a revision is. Yeah. I say that a revision is within the scope of the original request. So mm-hmm. if they ask for a whoosh, they can ask for changes within that whoosh. But if they want to change the whoosh to a bell, then that's that's a, that's a redo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, that's my um my first mistakes. Todd, uh Todd underscore Enyart. I'm probably murdering his last name. E N Y E A R T on uh, Twitter asked sort of a similar question that Jack Manhorn also on Twitter asked. Todd asked, uh, what were your opinions of FMOD? Any chance you've worked with Fabric? I always remember that was mentioned in the first episode. And Jack asked, your impressions of FMOD Studio now that you've had some time with it? I have still only had about two days actual work time with Studio. So I still don't feel that I'm in a position to make official statements yeah, and I'm I'm about the same. And I'm still I've just spent so much more time with Wise that I know I'm biased to it. Yeah. Um and biased to the workflow and and all yeah. that. So I Next, I don't, don't want to just go and bash FMOD cuz I know it's a very powerful tool. Yeah. Um I'm going to be doing some more studio work in the next couple of weeks. So yeah. I'll probably have next podcast I might have more to actually. Yeah. Well, I, I hope something to, to say about studio. Yeah, and I I hope to I hope to prototype something in Fabric soon if if it works with yeah. the old Unity. And I haven't used I haven't done anything in Fabric um, in large part because I'm not I'm not doing anything in Unity. So yeah. um, I haven't done anything in Unity in a really long time. That's mm-hmm. why I haven't used Fabric. Yeah, but I we hear really good things about it as well. Yeah, and and I'm, just from talking to Taz, we know he's working really hard on it. So. Yeah. Um, okay, Jack also asked any cool uses you found for contact slash hydrophones. I don't own a hydrophone. Do you? No. 
So I have, I have nothing cool to do with hydrophone. I do own a contact mic. You? Uh, no, I don't own a contact mic. I I've a, used them. Yeah, I use. Yeah. I own a really cheap one, mm-hmm. which I think is still like a really cool toy to I play think, around I with. I think contact mics are really cool for getting strange ambiences. Yeah. I did the, um, the Dune sandworm trick with a contact mic. Okay, what's that? Um, take a, take a large surface cover, attach the contact mic to it, cover it in sand. And then you say the spice. And you rub your hand over it, like trace it through the sand and you get the sound of a worm traveling oh, and then you like pitch it way down. That's awesome. And, and process it and stuff. So I've done some of that. I know of they're stuff. cheap and everyone should have one and I don't, and I feel bad about it. Yeah. You can I've, get a good contact mic for like 35 bucks. Yeah. I've done more, more music stuff. Mm-hmm. With contact mics of just like, I've got like toy pianos and stuff and uh, music boxes that'll mic with the contact mic. And it's, it's a different kind of vibration right. comes out of it. So nothing like super concrete of like, everyone should go do this with a contact mic. Just more of everyone should have one and go experiment with one. Yeah. I know I have a sample in my library of a, a hydrophone recording, a stereo hydrophone recording of like waves on a beach. Yeah. And it's got this really cool high end sizzle. That totally makes you feel like you are underwater, as you would expect from an underwater recording. But I don't know if you've ever just kind of been like soaking in a tub or in a hot tub, and it's almost, it, you get a sort of water sizzle that feels like it's inside your head. Yeah. And uh, I love that sample. Yeah. And it can be used for so many different things. Cool. It doesn't have to be like underwater. I didn't have a hydrophone, mm-hmm. um, but I did a, one of the creatures in Don't Starve. I took a 57, wrapped it in saran wrap, and put yeah. it underwater, and then screamed into the water yeah and made sounds that way and that was really cool so was, i know a lot of people take condoms with them yeah yeah um if you're going to do the condom and a mic thing unlubricated condoms yes it's <laughs> the only time you ever that you should buy unlubricated condoms is to put on your mic yeah <laughs> the lubricated ones will will mess stuff up yeah <laughs> um yeah i didn't have any unlubricated condoms around the house so i had saran wrap and i had a mm-hmm. big enough sheet of saran wrap to wrap like my whole mic in and dip it you know, about six inches into my bathtub. Right. Which was enough. And I had to hold it. I held it. I held it. Hit record. I hit record, held the mic, and then pushed my face under the water and, like, made sounds into the water. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And so that was sort of hydrophony. I didn't have a proper one, but it worked. Mm. And it was weird. Yeah. It made for good, weird creature sounds. Sweet. One other thing Jack asked uh, was, cool crunch stories and your daily schedules. I talked a bit about with Jack on Twitter about that. Like, I don't ever want to like romanticize crunch. And he agreed with me. He was like, no, 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 I don't mean like that. He's like, just like, what are your horror stories? What are some, because it shouldn't necessarily happen. Right. No, it's a, it's, it's a sign of there has been a problem. Yeah. In the Um, planning process. So I did crunch when I was at EA. I did crunch when I was a freelancer. Cause I, especially as a freelancer, it was a sign of like, I did bad scheduling. I took on too many projects. I I feel like I'm crunching all the time. Yeah, because you don't want to turn anything down. I mean, yeah. that's what my this last month for me has been crazy. I was I learned at when as my last time as a freelancer um, before I started full time with Clay, I had finally learned to not say no to anything, like take on all the projects and outsource them. Yeah, like I would take on big projects and you go, this is too much for me. I'll get one of my other friends who's a sound guy. Yeah, I've been to like split the well. project. With them, and that's how I. But I don't want to do it like too. I don't want to do it dishonestly with the dev. Either. No, no, no. I would always be upfront about it. Be like, yeah. yeah, I'll take on the project. By the way, I'm gonna get help from this guy. Here's some of his work. Or just a lot of times or, they or would, just say I'll supervise it. And yeah, sure a lot of good. times they were they would trust me enough that they didn't they didn't care for examples of the other guy. But yeah, it was just like I'm doing the work. I'm supervising another guy. Don't worry, it's all going through me, and it's gonna be all top notch and what right, you expect. Right. Right. So I learned to do that, to start yeah. to get some time back of like, okay, I get a little less money because I'm splitting it with somebody, but I also get my evenings yes, back. Yes, exactly. Evenings. Um, yeah. But daily schedule, you are probably like <laughs> all over the map. Oh, man. It's getting, I think it's getting a little more stable. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll get more stable in the coming months. But mm-hmm. last week was, I was working 16 hour days every right. day. Up That's at, no good. Like, up, at, up at eight or nine and working till like two to four in the morning. <laughs> it was brutal. You can't, you we can't. had this film. This film that's been going on for like, I think two and a half years. Yeah, and it's a short film. Like it looks beautiful. It's mm-hmm. going to be really good, but it's taking such a long time. 
And coming down to the mix, it's just basically being a very disorganized project. Yeah. Um, but very high quality from not necessarily very experienced people, I think. That's, That's what's cool. going to happen. Yeah. It's just you just can't maintain that. You can do that for a week, maybe. Yeah. But you just can't maintain that. You need, And then you need a break. Yeah. Basically, the compositions didn't come in on time and we had to push yeah. the mix, which is why I'm like here today yeah. without really red eyes. <laughs> so I have a much more like – sane schedule mm-hmm. thankfully i work i go into clay and i work 9 30 to 6 and i i work on the game mm-hmm. um, we've got a bunch of games on the go and i generally work i try to work on one game a day yeah um just so that i'm not flip-flopping back and forth on stuff so i plan out my schedule like today is don't starve day all i'm doing is working on don't starve and i tell yeah the other teams like invisible ink you're not getting anything today yeah i will talk to you tomorrow yeah um, and in the last like month, it's been more like weeks, like this week is don't starve week. Next week is invisible ink week. Right. Third week is other project week. Yeah. Um, just so that I can focus in and put my mindset all in on one thing and not be all over the place. Mm-hmm. But people still come to you, come to me every day on all the different with, projects. With mini crunches. Yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, we need this. And thankfully, most of the time I can be like, no, you're next week. Mm-hmm. you know like is it really important is it going out to like people and they're like well no and i'm like okay you can wait till next week yeah if it's like no there's we're pushing out a build to people tomorrow and this is missing it's like okay i got to do that then yeah or we've got a trailer that's going up like okay other things get pushed to the back burner again mm-hmm. work on the trailer mm-hmm. so it's still a flexible schedule that will change from day to day but i kind of have been trying to plan out week at a time mm-hmm. on games which is good i think it's- yeah i think i think the freelance thing is really influenced by the feast or famine yeah thing because i had not much to do at all from december to february and then april hit and a whole bunch of people were asking me to do things yeah and i have said no to none of them <laughs> <laughs> but and since i do i also do a lot of outsourcing it means other people's crunches land on me yeah as well and with no planning yeah um so i'll get i'll get things that are due tomorrow yeah. And then you kind of wind up like pushing things back that you don't want to push back. And that's a bummer. Yeah. But uh, it's just part of the freelance game. It's just yeah. the, the late nights. But as now that I have a few longer term projects lining up, yeah. that means I actually get to schedule, which is cool. nice. That's good. Yeah. That's yeah, nice. All right. So that's kind of our daily schedules. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one last question. Uh, Jeremy Lynn on Facebook asked, how do we get to your level of awesomeness? Uh, beard. And a cat. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. You start with that and then the awesomeness yeah. will come. Except yeah. Jeremy's so Jeremy's such a nice looking guy. Don't want to cover that with a beard. He needs more cats then. All right. You can make up. You need like, you know. If, <laughs> extra if, cats. Yeah. You just got to add extra cats if you don't have the beard. Yeah. So. um, And then for me, add 11 years. <laughs> I had 11 years of doing this. And I think it like in all seriousness, I think the the level of awesomeness it, like, just share stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't don't be a dick. Yeah, you know if if you're if you're a nice guy and you do good work and you share with the community, you be you get that level of awesomeness. Mm-hmm. You know, so so yeah, go out there and be awesome. Be awesome. Grow a beard and get a cat.